0: Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast.
1: Yeah, you're ready to open your Bibles. Um, what I would suggest to you is, uh, I'm going to finish off um, this week on the series that we've done uh, through February called Rise, how to stop, um, what are the things in our lives that whenever God says, my hands are open for you this year, uh, this is year of Kafkamel, the year of open hands from God, covering your sin and turning towards you to bless. Uh, resurrecting dead things to life that's the, that's the what the lord has for you right but the problem is not so much uh, that we that, that God's not willing to bless the problem is how do we receive right because the whole gospel is about receiving it's about righteous through faith it's about what we are able to believe and receive for and not what we're able to actually put our minds and our effort to to get because you can't get anything from God by doing stuff do you get that he just loves you and he'll love you, you know, no matter what. But what we want to do is we want to go from grace to grace and glory to glory. Isn't that right? And so what I've been doing is looking over the last few weeks about condemnation, shame and guilt. And if you haven't been listening, you should have been because it was an absolute, they were belters, weren't they, Alan? Brilliant. And so what we're going to do today, I'm going to look at the last one. And uh, it's, does anyone ever find that yesterday, when I, I'm going to say yesterday, I don't literally mean yesterday, but I mean, that which is in the past can be as real today as it was back then? Anybody? I'm talking like experiences, words, things that happens, things you did, things you didn't do, things that happened to you, right? And oftentimes we can find our lived experience today, it, those things are just as real, almost like in Technicolor 4K Ultra UHD, right? Yeah? And what's interesting is that, um, that it's, it's one of the things that we need to, I'm going to give you a, a story from... From, from the Bible, which is always helpful, and uh, help you to think about something really simple today. And it's, it's, it's this, is that when you live in your past and you have things from your past which are not dealt with, they will rob you of the future that God has for you. And so we need to deal with the past. And uh, there's a story in the Bible which is really interesting, because if we don't deal with it, we're going to live in it continually. It will always raise its head, a bit like I was saying with guilt and with shame. Like If, if you're guilty over something, then you don't ignore it, right? Don't pretend that it doesn't exist. You've got to face it. But you don't face it with anything other than the promise of Jesus that no matter what it is, his grace is bigger, right? If you try to absolve yourself of responsibility or not lean into it or deal with it, then it will always come back. Do you get that? Because it has to be dealt with. And that's what Jesus did for you. Every act, everything you did, everything you never did, everything you should have done and everything else in between on the scale, look at it through the lens of grace and go, whatever it was, there is responsibility, but it's not mine anymore. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace for me. And allow him to show you that as far as the East is from the West, he has removed that from you. You've got to face your guilt again through grace. Because it's only, that's when grace becomes grace. If, if, you're, if, if the grace of God is not enough for you to stand and look at the worst bits of your life and go, thank God I'm free, then it's not grace at all. Do you get that? That's not grace. I don't know what it is, but it's not grace. Grace looks at the ugliest, darkest, most horrible bits of you and I and says, clean. Clean. And the only way we can live free, we can break the power of those acts is to look at it through what Jesus says. Now, one of the things about, we're not good at letting ourselves off the hook. You know, it's, it's one thing to go, yes, Jesus, you've forgiven me. But most of us are really poor at letting ourselves off the hook and saying, you know what? I should have known. Who, who's ever said, uh, ever said, who said this week, I should have known better to lie to That's a song, isn't it? From the 70s. I should have known better. Who sang that? Elvis? Ah. Uh, should have known better. Steak night music, you see. That's what I listen to when I'm making steak for penny night. But, you know, who said I should have known better? Right? Oh, do you know all that stuff? It goes round and round and round. So let's get into the Word today because it's the last thing I want to say. The deal, to move into the future where, where you see the Lord's hands open to bless you, you've got to deal with the past. And some of us have got to make a choice in that today. Because like I said, when it comes to things like guilt and shame, many of us actually use them like a blanket. They're comfortable to us because we've got become so used, the patterns have become so ingrained in our thinking and in our lives at times that we, we actually, it's not that we love it, but we don't know how to live without it. And so therefore we keep going back. But today we have to say death to the past. It's gone. All right? So we look in the Bible, First Kings, I'm gonna t- tell you about a guy called Elisha. And in First Kings 19, um, there's a few points I wanna make to you. It's like, like, there's lots of application in, in this particular bit of the Bible. Number one, God is always working, right? And, you know, God moves when you least expect it. And, but what I wanted to say is this. In, in proper East Belfast style, some of us need to have a big bony and burn some stuff, all right? And there's a really good reason why we need to do that. The Americans are going, what? Da, da, da. All, right? all right? So Elijah went and found Elisha the son of Shapat plowing a field. There were 12, 12 teams of oxen in the field and Elisha was plowing with the 12th, man, the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, first let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, then I'll go with you. Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I've done to you, Right. Think about what I've done to you. It's really important. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plough to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. Massive, big barbecue, right? Then he went with Elijah and his assistant. Now, there's a couple of things there I'm going to pull out because we read them and we kind of go, oh, whatever. The, the, the imagery of grace in this in this particular passage is really, really thick. I want to give you some of the highlights because there's nothing glamorous about Elisha, right? Elijah, we know, don't we? Elijah was the miracle worker who kind of like one day was up, one day was down, but saw God do incredible things. Isn't that right? Like if you don't know, he did incredible things far from heaven and all sorts of stuff, right? And, uh, but this guy, Elisha, he's not a miracle worker. Uh, We know nothing about him. He's not a prophet. There's no evidence of him being super holy or super called or anything like that up to this point. And uh, what do you see? We cut into this story, and here's a man just plowing a field. Nothing major and nothing exciting. Now, what's interesting about plowing a field is that it was oxen, right? It says there's 12 teams of oxen there. You know, so I don't know if... we, We need to see... Get the detail of this. When you plowed a field in those days, it wasn't like with a big Massey Ferguson. It was with these cows, and you were basically staring at their backsides all day long, right? The detail's important, not a brilliant few, right? He drove oxen. That means the oxen were in front of him and he stood behind them. It was hard, physical, sweaty, smelly work, right? And every day, all he could see was oxen's backsides from morning to night, all right? As he went up and down a field. Doesn't sound very glamorous to me, does it? But there he is, there's our Alicia, knocking it out every day. He's not in the top floor corner office, this guy. Now, one thing is his work was steady. And by all accounts, you know, we we think that Elisha probably worked for a very wealthy person. So his work's consistent, but it's not glamorous. Same view, same rhythm, same scenery, same smells, day after day after day after day. And it's not that it's all bad. Sometimes routine is okay, isn't it? I actually, you know, for all I joke, there's a wee sigh of relief in me when Penny and the girls come back. Because within five minutes this morning, the house was a mess, just saying, right? Stuff lying everywhere after me and Ben had lived like two bachelors for five days, right? And like things on the floor and look at the look, I'm getting books on everywhere, right? And all this kind of stuff. And there there was something about, but part of me went, back to normal, right? Back to chaos, right? So holding down jobs, relationships, and many of the other things that just requires to operate in routine, You know, there's a discipline in that which I think we need to embrace. But monotony as well works against us in several ways. So the thing with Elisha is that this works kind of monotonous for him. Now, there's things that for many of us um, that used to bring energy and passion and walk, you know, particularly in our relationship with God, can become dull and like drudgery. And complacency can incubate that kind of stuff in us. You know, and complacency actually does incubate in us as well. You know, when you're just kind of plowing mindlessly every day. And so that's, our, that's Elisha, right? So it's not all bad, but there ain't nothing special about him. But here's the really interesting thing, right? I say this to you all the time, and this is what Penny and I pray over ourselves every morning, is that in, in the monotony and in the routine, sometimes we forget the fact that God is always working. See if you feel like your life is just one day after the next, replaying the same scenes, okay? And one of the things we're going to discover about moving forward is when we're, when we're locked into that kind of rhythm, that's not all bad, right? Routine is not all bad and discipline is not all bad. But what it can do is it can rob us sometimes of believing that tomorrow can be, can be better or different from today because we're just in the rhythm of it. And what we see here with Elisha is that God is always working behind your back. This was, in, in an ordinary day, I'm speaking this into somebody's life for this week, there was an ordinary day where God breaks into Elisha's life and he was changed forever, forever. And sometimes we don't see it when, or because we can't see when it's going to happen or how it's going to look. How is God's grace going to do its work in my life this week? Then what happens is we can lose heart. But let, let me just show you what Elisha does. You know, the interruption to Elisha's life was not as he expected. He wasn't looking that day for a breakthrough. He was simply in the routine and rhythm, but God had been watching Elisha. God had him on the radar and God had something much greater for him, something so much planned. He had a calling on his life because when you are in the everyday, feeling like, you know, tomorrow or yesterday, tomorrow is hard to see, but yesterday feels more real for me. God is working. See, in all the situations that are bothering you right now, God is working. They're on his radar. See, the people right now where you go, how's that ever going to work? He's working. They're on the radar. Do you get that? Some of us need to learn to rest in the grace of God and allow him to do his work. Because in the routine of monotony, sometimes what happens is we go, this is just the way that it is. And I can't ever see how it will be different. But the Lord, the Lord was, was, was already had his eye on Elisha and he was already looking at him. Now, what happens is God speaks to Elijah, right? To appoint Elisha as his replacement. So Elijah goes and finds him. And from that moment, Elisha's life will never be the same. Th- just think for me for one moment, okay? Right now, what are the things in your life the people in your life or the situations in your life where you go, Lord, I would so love that to be different. I would so love that to, to change. I would so love to see, is it healing? Is it breakthrough? Is it restoration? Is it salvation? Okay, what, what are those things that we carry around with us? Because grace says to you this morning that you know God is speaking, God is moving, God is working right now on your behalf. If you don't see it, if you don't know it, The Spirit of the Lord says to you, I'm working, I'm getting things ready, I'm moving people into position, I'm refining, I'm molding, I'm healing, I'm preparing situations because I'm always present in your ordinary situation. I'm always watching over you, I'm always planning, I'm always scheming for your good. And I never rest, the Lord says. I never rest. Psalm 139, 7 to 10 says this, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to the heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride in the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me. Isn't that amazing? And so before, before, before you, you, you move on this year into, into everything that the Lord has you, what you need to understand is that you, you don't lose heart even when you can't see it. Okay, don't lose faith even when you're not seeing what you believe the Lord has for you come to pass. No matter how boring it feels for you week after week and you're going, Lord, will this ever change? He's working. He's always working. And sometimes we need that patience and that faith to say, Lord, even though I don't know what you're doing, I believe that you are doing it. You're always working together for my good right? You're doing the speaking. You're doing the changing. You're doing the preparing. The people, the situations, and everything else that's needed for them. And then take a big, deep breath and go, I leave that with you. Because grace says, your work, your job, not mine. Amen? Now, this is amazing, right? Because where do you start? What does Elijah, what's the first thing that Elijah does, right? Whenever he comes to Elisha? We read it there, and you probably went right over your head. He doesn't speak to him. He doesn't say, hey, boy, you are called by God, (laughs) right? See, you, you're going to be brilliant and do mad things, right? He doesn't do any of that. He doesn't speak. He doesn't explain. He doesn't offer a rationale. He doesn't do any of that. What does he do? He puts his cloak on him. Now, this is really important. It's a really important point. It's very significant. Number one, what it tells you is your tomorrow is not about you and your good work. It's about the cloak, the mantle that is put on you. Do you get that? It wasn't, Elisha, you're really good and we've seen what you've done. It wasn't like the Lord spoke to me about your goodness and your faithfulness. It wasn't about his faithfulness or anything about that. Do you get that? It was, that had nothing to do with it. When Elijah, when Elijah comes along, he puts his cloak on him. It's really significant because it represents the mantle that Elijah carried. And he clothed him in it and putting on the garment. What happens is when he put on the garment, he took on all that it represented. And it signified that his identity and authority came from that with, with what he had been clothed in. Now, you don't need to be a Christian for very long because probably some of you should have Isaiah 61 verse 10 in your head where it says, for he, talking about the Lord, has clothed me, talking about you and me, with garments of salvation and has arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. right? Now, this was something that, like in those days, this was something that was put on him and it was visible to the people who saw him and it would be his covering in every situation that he would walk through. Folks, I wanna tell you this and I will tell you week after week after week, that the only place, the only way you can walk into the future that God has for you in these weeks and months to come where you see the open hands of God's grace and blessing to you is by starting from a place of I am loved and righteous, Use your faith every day for righteousness. Use your faith for the grace of God and the favor of God. You don't need need faith for things. He's already provided everything that you need. Do you get that? You don't need faith for money and provision. You need faith for righteousness because the more righteous, the convinced of your righteousness you are, the more the, the goodness of God flows in your life. Do you get that? Fruit comes as a result of believing that you are righteous because when you're righteous, all things are added to you. Do you get that? So quit worrying about your provision. Quit worrying about everything else. Quit worrying about your pensions. Quit worrying about your jobs. He is your source. He is the one who's looking after you. And what he says is every single day, let me clothe you. Let me surround you. Let you, you have to walk in what? In the truth that I am absolutely saying that you're totally acceptable to me. That's what the Lord has done for you. You can't move into tomorrow no, and you're going to get the the past bit in a minute, but the, the the starting point for tomorrow is believing today that you're totally acceptable to God. Every week we've got to remind ourselves of that, don't we? That's the gospel of God's grace. He loves you. He's for you. He is. He, you know, there's nothing in you that is standing against you receiving all of God's favor. You just have to believe. You know. That, that, that covering in those days, every situation that Elisha would walk into, like physically, every place that he would go and every situation that he would walk into, everything that he would be put into, he walked into it with the cloak on. That's why it says in Ephesians 4.24, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy, Ephesians 4.24. Because your tomorrow starts, right? To move into that place tomorrow requires that you first of all see that you're covered in righteousness every day, made righteous again. And every situation that you walk into, walk into it with the, the confidence and the assurance that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Every time. Now, here's, uh, here, here's the bit I wanna, I, I believe that the Lord's gonna really minister into today. If that's true, if you've been born again and made righteous, if that is the truth, right? I'll pose it as a question. Why are we not experiencing more? You ever thought about that? I do. No, I don't think, why are you not experiencing more? I think, why am I not experiencing more? You see, before, there's a practical thing that Elisha has to do. And for him, we get the image of it. Um, through the first action that he takes, right? There's a bit actually in, 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 in the first bit that I read, right? Um, where it says, first let me go, my, he threw his cloak over his shoulders and then he walked away. Da, 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 da. I'll come back to that, I'll come back to it. Now, if this, is, if this is true, there's some practical things that need to happen. Now, for Elisha to move forward into, into his tomorrow, He had to deal with everything that had come before. There was a practical bit. What he does is he takes the only things that could supply him with security, with a living, by the ability to make living, and he destroys them. It would have been normal in those days to sacrifice animals. We all know that. But he goes further and he absolutely burns his old way of life. He gets the plows that have been his staple every day his rhythm of life, his security, what he does, he takes those and he makes a massive bonfire. And he just doesn't sacrifice the animals. He burns the plies that were attached to the animals. Okay? Now why is that important? There's imagery in the Bible. And the you know, does anyone know what fire means in the Bible? You see you see, me, I would have put them on eBay. You know what I mean? facebook marketplace we would have got a couple of pounds for them they would have been expensive do you know what I mean no I mean, well, he could have been a subcontractor <laughs> very practical <laughs> <laughs> wee bit of culty wisdom coming in there but do you know what I mean you ever thought because for me I'm going oh okay, there you go now for, for I would go I would have got a couple of pounds for those that tied me into my new future you know, or giving them to somebody, probably. Okay, that's better. No, I definitely would have flogged them, right? And are uh, given them to someone. But actually what's interesting is, like there can be, there can be nothing left of yesterday to sit in the, in the tomorrow. Do you get that? And so what does fire represent? Many times in the Bible, it's interesting, why did he have to burn them? Why did the Lord say burn those? And what does it mean for us? I love this when I started to look at it. You see, Fire in the Bible, directly when it's related to God, is a symbol of the presence of God in some way. So, whenever God makes His covenant with Abraham in Genesis, as an example, in Genesis fifteen, when He summons Moses, what does He? What did Moses see? A burning bush. There's a pillar of fire that accompanies the Israelites, you know, in Exodus thirteen. So, what happens is when you see fire, it represents the very presence of Jesus in you, the very presence of His grace. Fire purifies, right? We used to laugh about this. There was a song years ago called Refiner's Fire. Does anyone remember it? Yeah. Refiner's fire, my heart. Anyone remember that one song? Yeah. Oh, flip me. Well, Penny has this thing, right? I love her to bits. But see the whole thing of song lyrics? Holy smokes. they just hit and miss. She just makes them up, basically, <laughs> which is fine until, you, until you're doing that with Christian worship songs and the theology goes right out the window. So... Um, there was that one refiners fire, and then um, Lord light the fire again. Remember that one, yeah. vineyard. Everyone remember that. Well, there's a line that I am here to buy gold refined in the fire. It's a p- beautiful picture of righteousness. Gold being righteousness, and I'm here for righteousness. And Penny used to stand with her arms in the air. I am here to buy coal refined <laughs> in the fire. I'm going, and I I, I used to st- I used to stand in the meetings going. Like, talk about, the Holy, talk about the Holy Spirit leaving in an instant. You know what I mean? Where you're just, oh, Jesus, this is mad. What is she singing? What the, what? Coal's not refined in the fire. Coal's burnt in the fire. Thank you, Lord, you're going to burn me in the fire. That's just essentially what she was saying. And I'm like going, what is wrong with you? How many times have we sung this song and you can't get it right? Changed the meaning entirely. Yeah. You're laughing, it was terrible. I. <laughs> Spirit just left right there, right? <laughs> so what happens is, actually, it's about purification, and but it's about holiness, and it's about all of those things. But there was it was a huge statement. What it is, what it means, is this: everything. And what I mean is, with guilt and with shame, with condemnation, those things have become security for some of us. But we need to burn them. And how do you burn them? By self-effort by being mindful in the world sense. And if that no, it's to allow the presence of grace to take it from you. Because grace is the only thing that will purify, make that holy in you. And it's to bring it to Jesus, bring it into his presence and allow him to deal with it. Do you get that? That's the image for us today. That's why he burnt them. It wasn't just about getting rid of the stuff. It was a picture for us today to say, in the presence of Jesus, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, when we're open and we're, we're not, we're facing. So when, it's a scary place to face the things that you know are wrong unless you have somebody who's ready to stand in your place. Do you get it? When you have to stand and look at something where you know that there is guilt and consequences because of it, that's a scary place to stand. But in the presence of Jesus, what does he do? He lifts your head up, says, look at me and watch me purify that. All that guilt from the past, all that regret, all that disappointment, all that frustration, all that worry, you can't carry it forward, Elisha, so let my presence burn it from you. Does that make sense? That's why, and here's what's interesting. The order is important. It was righteousness first, then the presence of Jesus, the presence of the Lord, to deal with the past. Do you get that? You can only deal with your past from a place of righteousness because it's the only place where you stand guilt-free. You know what some of us have done? We've been afraid to actually be open with the Lord and say, Lord, you know, for yesterday... You know, you don't, it's not about saying sorry or any of that stuff. You're already forgiven. Controversial statement right there. If any of you want to laugh, go on to Uncle Ray, Ray Bevan's uh, Facebook page. He has been fighting left, right, and center, hasn't he, over the last few weeks with, with people about righteousness and forgiveness and all the rest of it. But you're already forgiven. Do you get that? Before you made the mess, you were forgiven. All you had to do was receive it. You had to take it and receive it. You had to bring it and make it, make it your own, as Louis Walsh would say. Right. Remember that? Make it your own. Right. Like, right, Do you get it now? So, so my point to you is this. My point is this. Is that for you to move forward, some of us don't need to trade off or forget. We just need to be in the presence of grace clothed in righteousness and allow his Holy Spirit to minister that we are pure because when the fire of the Holy Spirit was there right in, in that physical fire it was just purifying and making you you get that don't be afraid don't be afraid to hold you know to keep your heart sort of halfway closed towards the Lord give it to him all because all he's going to do is break you free from those things which have held you captive for too long. That's what he does. Okay. It was a huge statement, a decisive break from Elisha's old life, the source of his livelihood and everything, the, the stale predictability of life behind the plough, looking at ox bums, right? And the Lord just breaks him from him. So what are ploughs? Let me just finish by, by saying this. I'm going to give you a couple of things just to finish. A plow is whatever ha, has you chained, right? That literally, plows were, were literally chained together, and they were chained to the, literally to the, the source of provision and everything else. You know, there, I don't have time to go into it all, but, you know, it's about mindsets. It's about strongholds. It's about all of that stuff. It's about things that from your past have been able to keep you chained, at some, chained to a point in time, chained to a word that was said, chained to something that, that you did or something that you didn't do. Something that keeps that sort of umbilical cord, if you like, that keeps feeding you from that place. Somewhere, it could be 10 minutes ago or it could be 25 years ago or 50 years ago. It doesn't matter what the time is. There's a, there's a connection between you today and what that was. That's the plow. Something that God says you can't bring that into tomorrow, Elisha. You can't walk into your tomorrow carrying that. You've got to burn it, right? Because what would happen is, can you imagine just very practically, if Elisha was still chained to that stuff, if he allowed himself to be chained to that stuff? Can you imagine him trying to do what he was going to do, like with oxen, and and uh, it would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? We're going there to do this. The Lord said, "I'm leading you here." And Lysha goes, brilliant, I just need to bring these 12 teams of oxen and my plows with me. I mean, practically, that's what would have happened if he hadn't burnt them. Do you get that? It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. When you put it that way, you go, well, you wouldn't do that. It's about many other things. Leaving behind your failure. Leaving behind your disappointment with God. Leaving behind your disappointment with other people. I've already talked about shame and guilt, Attitudes leaving behind unforgiveness, leaving behind your fear, your pride, habits, whatever it happens to be. You know, it, whatever, whatever it is, you know, it can even be small ideas of who God is, like not standing, you know, you're like just not believing God for tomorrow. But the bottom line is whatever it is, there's only one way to deal with it, the righteousness of God given to you as a gift and the presence of grace in your life. That'll burn it and purify it. That's the only thing that'll do. Because you can't step into your new life until you you set fire to what's tethering you to your old. And before you you go forward, you have to almost offer it all to the Lord and say, Lord, in my life, heal me. It's almost like an act of surrender to the Lord, isn't it? Heal me, clean me like you've done, or show me how you've cleaned me. And those things in me, Lord, which keep me tethered, Allow your grace to set me free from them. Now, it may seem drastic, right, to do that. It's, but the real risk in your life is just not doing it. Because you don't want to go through another year, do you, where the Lord says, my hands are open. And you, you think about what that means in your life, the situations where you want to see grace move, and then you live frustrated for the whole time going, you know, I didn't see it. Why? Because I was tethered to the old. I was tethered to the old. Let me just finish by... Um, same one thing. There's a, there's a. You know where Paul says one thing I do in in Philippians three. He says one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal, to win the prize for which Christ has called me. Or God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Right. I just, um, I, I think this is a very practical verse for for setting fire to some stuff. What happens is this. The word forgetting here means to no longer care for, to neglect, or to refuse to focus on. It's it's you saying today, I refuse to focus. I will neglect and I will no longer care for those things which are not part of who I am today. Do you get it? You have to be honest with yourself. You see, your memories, this is why this is going to be so powerful for you, right? Your memories store millions, millions upon millions of pieces of information that have been gained through life, actually since you were birth. You know, some, some experiences might seem impossible to forget. And any effort to forget them actually can strengthen it, isn't that right? Can make them more prominent. So what Paul here is saying in Philippians 3 is not like you get a memory wipe, right? He's telling us to focus on what jesus has done in you now the gift of righteousness and where he's calling you for because you can either think you can think in three ways past present and future and what he's saying is neglect that don't care for that and do not focus on that because actually you're focused on something that the lord himself says no longer exists when you became to christ even when you were in so before you were in christ you were made brand new right? And when you're in Christ, he doesn't judge you based on your performance, he judges you according to Jesus's work. Either way, you're attaching yourself to something which isn't real. It's not even real, do you get that? According to the word of God, it doesn't even exist. So he says you have to make a choice. Think about today and think about your tomorrow. And think about where I'm leading to you the Lord says. You know whether, you know whatever it is, it, it can be it can be difficult. But, you know, you know if you there's a kind, of a, a kind of forgetfulness which is kind of helpful. You cut the strings that tie you to the bygone moments and then what you do is you, you just throw yourself into that truth that 2 Corinthians five seventeen says, I am a new creation. The old is gone, the old is past, and I am a new creation. That's how I live free. That's what grace says to you this morning. I bet you a hundred quid. You're not meant to say that from the church, are you? I bet, all right. Every single one of you in this room today, as I've been talking, I've been going, there's been things in your head, hasn't there? Anyone? Or you all just sitting there going, oh no, I'm so flipping holy, see me? Every one of us. And you go, I would love, I would love, love, love to live free of that. And I want to move into the future that you have for me. For some of us, it was words that were spoken over us. It was things that were declared over us. And now those things are stored in memory. And they keep coming back. And your failure just, you know, when you do something, you, it just, the failure then is reinforced. Aye, but you know, you were always that. You'll never be. It's, there, there's a myriad of things which need to be burnt by the presence of God's grace. Just to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you today to go, it's done, don't focus on it. It's almost like the Lord looks and goes, what are you tethering to? Oh, well, I did this and I said that and I should have done it. And he goes, yeah, see, the problem is I can't see that. I removed that. Oh, but I did it when I was saved. Yeah, well, here's the really brilliant thing about that. You know, you should, you know, it's not like you, shouldn't have known, you should have known better. You know what I mean? That's not the point, okay? If you did it when you were saved, you were already standing in a place of grace, already accounted for. And that sounds outrageous, Lord. Well, you know, that's grace. <laughs> Can it really be that true? Absolutely it is. So when I fall today, I fall into grace. I don't fall from it, I fall into it. Really? That's outrageous. It's scandalous, in fact, isn't it? I'm falling, but I'm falling into his favor. Hold on a minute. When I fall, do I not fall out of his favor? No, I fall into favor. That's, that's bonkers. Absolutely bonkers to a mind and a heart that hasn't been transformed by God's grace. So almost some of us in cutting the ties to the past are actually just. Do you know what part of it is? It's a revelation if it's not there anyway. For some of us, Just well, it's not even there. It's a figment of my imagination. Close your eyes for a minute. I'm just going to sit for a couple of minutes. And uh, cause I, I believe that every single one of you this morning is receiving right now and, and the Lord deals specifically do you know that it's not a general sense of whatever specific things that come to memory and come to mind that for some of you have haunted you some of you have brought felt like a, a dead weight around your ankles bringing you back Some of it's the thought of going, Flip, if anyone knew that, what would they think? And you can feel the Holy Spirit in this place right now. Just what's he ministering right now? He's ministering grace. He's ministering favor. He's showing you, he's increasing your heart and showing you increasing your capacity to receive grace upon grace. He's loving on you right now, pouring over you right now. Jesus, show your people indeed that yesterday is gone. Lord, we choose to neglect it, not care for it, and we refuse to focus on that which you have dealt with. We can't pay a price, Lord, when you've already cleared the debt. And Father, I speak a release over your people from every lie, every stronghold, every mindset that has kept your people bound. Lord, and we thank you that your promises, that you you have burned those things in the fire of your grace so that we can be confident today, have full assurance of our faith, come boldly to you lord because your arms are open your heart is open and you love to love upon us you pour your grace freely on us you pour your favor all over us and you tell us that our best days are to come you tell us that our future is secure you tell us that we can have hope for tomorrow and peace today we thank you, Father, that you are working behind the scenes in every... You know the lie is? That there's a lie right now that the Lord's breaking off some people. You can't move into tomorrow because right now there's a situation that somewhere in your past, right, was never dealt with. The Lord says, I'm working. When you don't see it, I'm working. The physical reminders might be around you. One of the reasons I didn't talk about it, one of the reasons why Elisha... Elijah, burns the plows is that there would be no physical things for him to see no physical things for him to put his eyes on that would be a reminder of where he had come from and I believe the Lord said to you I'm working right now there are relationships and people right now that the Lord says leave them with me because I'm working I'm never late I'm always on time I know what I'm doing the Lord says so trust me with them Let them go into my care and let me just lavish my love and my care on you. Let me relieve you of the burden of worrying about them, the Lord says, because I've got them. And the Lord's ministering that into your heart. He's ministering hope for tomorrow. In Jesus' name, he's ministering hope for tomorrow. No shame, no guilt, no condemnation. If he set you free, you're free indeed. So the Lord speak to you, minister to you. and love you just for a moment. Some of you, it's words that were spoken over to you and the Lord says, let your declaration be, that's not me. That's why Elisha gets the mantle. That's why he gets clothed in the mantle. That's why you're clothed in righteousness. So that when the enemy comes and points the finger and says, ah, but you are, you can look and say, that's not me. Elisha would have been the farmer guy. Standing behind the oxen, but actually, when people saw him, they he they physically saw what he was clothed in. Okay, and they would see him differently. The Lord says that's the way you need to see yourself. For some of you, the words that were spoken, the statements that were made, the declarations that were made over you, you just say, "That's not me. I have been born again into righteousness. I am loved. I am secure." I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There is no unsettled claims against me. The law has been completed on my behalf. And I stand boldly in the presence of Jesus today, as loved and as holy as I will ever be. And he is working out his good purpose for me. He is blessing me and showering me with favor. He is working out my path. He is opening doors, closing doors, putting things into place, moving chess on a chessboard like nobody else and he says today you'll see my goodness in this land that you're living in you will walk into the into the promise that i have for you because when i am working and you're resting then nothing is going to stop my plan for your life the lord says so let it go and trust me amen you encouraged this morning good Let your declaration be tomorrow when our mind, uh, that's not me. Amen? That's not me. don't we'll stand. And uh, Adam's going to lead us in communion and in our offering.
0: Thanks so much, Andrew, for that really powerful stuff actually um, whenever Andrew was just speaking at the end there I just I couldn't help but think it's so good over the last few weeks that we've heard about guilt shame condemnation setting the scene almost for when God starts to speak about these things in your life enjoy you know that declaration that's not me um, take the bread and we say this is me I am whole I am clean forgiven we say Jesus thank you for your body broken for me That all of these things, I can live this way, free, completely free. So we say, Jesus, thank you. We eat. We take the cup, say we are righteous, holy, forgiven all of the time. And we receive everything that you have for us. Thank you. Wholeness over our bodies and our minds. In Jesus' name. want you to respond during this song of worship. But before that, we'll take our offering just as well at the start of it. Now, as always, you'll never hear about money in this church before you've heard about Jesus. That's our heart and always will be. Um, respond in worship uh, with what you've heard, you know, what God's been speaking to you about and handing those things to him, burning those things. Um, so we'll do that and we'll, we'll worship. And we say, Jesus, thank you again just for what you're speaking. Continue to speak during this song. We respond to you and say that you're the God who allows us to walk in freedom. Thank you for that, Jesus. Amen.